Dr. Bill Hammond, the founder of Christian International Ministries, is considered to be the pioneering voice of the modern-day prophetic movement. In his 61 years of ministry, he has trained and equipped hundreds of thousands of saints and has personally prophesied to leaders of nations. He spent his life training people to hear the voice of God, and because of this, their world has changed. You can also change your world through Christian International Ministry, their products and their events. You'll be equipped to hear God for yourself and others, your role on earth as a believer, your purpose and destiny. You'll receive a wealth of revelation and insight about hearing and receiving the voice of the Lord. For more information on Christian International Ministries, visit their website at christianinternational.com. Again, the website, christianinternational.com. And thank you, Dr. Bill Hammond, for sponsoring this podcast. Deal with your failures. None of us are perfect. We say things and do things from time to time that hurt our spouse. That involves apologizing and forgiving. And if you get these two things right, love, loving them in a way that's meaningful to them, and then apologize and forgive each other, keep the walls torn down, you're on a positive road to getting to the second half and enjoying it. Well, you know, what we discovered is that couples who are thriving in the second half and not just existing, uh, one of the characteristics is that they've learned not only to accept some of those things that irritated them in the early years, but they've come to laugh about those things. Welcome to Charisma Connection. This is Steve Green on the Charisma Podcast Network. And I'm excited to introduce you to a guest that most of you know very well. Gary Chapman is our guest, and of course, he's the author of The Five Love Languages. And Gary, welcome to the Charisma Podcast Network. Well, thank you, Steve. Great to be with you. Well, your book changed a lot of lives. Your original book, we're not going to be talking much about that today. You've written a new book called Married and Still Loving It. But I would imagine most people still know you as the original author of Five Love Languages. Is that right? It's been exciting, Steve, to see how God has used that book. You know, Mm -hmm. it sold over 11 million copies in English and has been translated in 50 languages around the world. So a lot of couples have been helped by the Five Love Languages. you probably found a felt need then. People yep, needed to I read it. So. I still hear a lot of reference to it. People will refer to their love language just in general discussion. Well, you know, we'll just be talking about something. They won't refer to the book, but they'll say, well, my love language is. Yeah, and, uh, right. Do you hear that often? I do. I hear that a lot, and it's exciting. Yeah, it's got to be gratifying, and you know that you heard from the Lord as you, you wrote this book. Absolutely. So that leads me to the question of, why this book? Why Why did you feel, or what did the Lord tell you to do with this married and still loving it? What's the essence of why you wrote it? Well, you know, I have wanted for some time to write a book on the second half of marriage, because mm-hmm. that's where I am. Right. You can identify with your <laughs> own book. So, yeah, this book is an effort to speak to folks who are in the second half of marriage. As you said, it's married and still loving it, and the subtitle is The Joys and Challenges of the Second Half. And they're both, you know, they're unique joys and they're unique challenges in the second half of marriage. And uh, so I I teamed up with Dr. Harold Myra, who for 
oh, I guess, 30-plus years, was the CEO of Christianity Today magazine. Mm-hmm. I know him well. And uh, he's, he's also in the second half. And so together we teamed up, interviewed a lot of couples, uh, and just excited about this book. I feel like I'm in the fourth quarter. <laughs> I, I would, well, I probably am, too. Yeah, I'll take the second five half. five minutes left. That's right. <laughs> Amen. Well, you allude to the fact that there's a secret to a long marriage. People ask us that all the time. We're married 43 years and counting and happy yeah. and, and still loving it and no regrets. But people ask us, and you've been asked this question thousands of times, what's the secret? How do you all do it? Well, you know, what we discovered is that couples who are thriving in the second half and not just existing, uh, one of the characteristics is that they've learned not only to accept some of those things that irritated them in the early years, but they've come to laugh about those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, one of those things was uh, how my wife loads a dishwasher. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm very organized. I oh, think the no. dishwasher should be organized. She loads the dishwasher like she was playing Frisbee. <laughs> <laughs> Does that still irritate you, sir? (laughs) Yeah, I've come now to accept that and laugh about it. I mean, the other day I I saw a knife. She had loaded it the night before, and and there was a knife laying horizontal. And I thought, how did it stay up there all night? Oh, no, not that. (laughs) So couples that are thriving are no longer bickering about those little things that irritated them. They've accepted them, and and they see humor in it. (laughs) Well, one of the things I see a lot in church counseling, I still minister quite a bit to folks that are are struggling. And one of the things I see is that I hear the word roommate quite often, that we've we've raised our kids, we've got nothing going on, nothing exciting, and I hear that I hear this language, we've become nothing more than roommates. Yeah, yeah. What do you do with and I that? I think that's un I think that's unfortunate, Steve. And one of the things we talk about in the book is God never intended life to become mundane. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways in marriage we do, uh, things we do to keep marriage alive is, is keep adventure in the marriage. Right. Don't simply do the same things you do every day or every week. How do you do that? Uh, Give some, us some examples of adventure. We know, you know, for some people it may be as simple as taking a different route to the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> Don't stretch me too much here. <laughs> okay, that's just a baby step, okay? <laughs> okay, I'll try. <laughs> or, or maybe try a new restaurant. Mm-hmm. We get into ruts. We go to the same three or four restaurants all the time. Amen. Try something new. Or maybe go to a different church one Sunday. I'm oh, not my. saying leave your church. I'm right. just saying visit another church one mm-hmm. Sunday. Just see how other people worship. Or uh, or you could revisit your honeymoon destination. Yes. Now, my wife try, and I tried that, Steve, and found out the hotel had been torn down. <laughs> it didn't work out so well, did it? <laughs> that didn't work too well. Pop a tent uh, when you get there, I guess. Yeah, or go back and, and, and walk your old neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You know, take take her to your neighborhood, and, and she takes you to her neighborhood, and just talk about it and, and, and reminisce about the things that happened back there. Or take a train ride. To anywhere, just ride a train. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's all kinds of things you can do uh, to get out of the rut and keep adventure in the marriage. And of course, certainly mission work. You know, if you're yes. physically able to do mission work, engage your life, invest your life in that. Dr. Chapman, we've noticed that the more we serve, and we've been actively serving since our kids finished school and moved out and had their own families. We noticed that the more we got involved in other families, the more we had to talk about. Because that, to me, was the biggest struggle is I worked all day and I didn't have anything to talk about but work. And then yeah. we got involved in church and not, not 
just got involved in church, but heavy ministry. And we yeah. had other people to talk about and right. other problems and other needs and ministries. And is that what you mean by mission work and getting involved? Absolutely. It can be local in your church, you know, and, and reaching out to your community, or it can be overseas. I met a couple some time ago in Thailand. He was 85. She was 84. Mm. And they were teaching English as a second language in Thailand. They were invited into Buddhist monasteries and all sorts of places to teach English, and they used the Bible as their textbook. And I said to them, how do you support yourselves? He said, well, we get Social Security, and I have a little pension from my work. He said, it's all we need. Mm. I said, how long do you intend to do this? He said, well, as long as we have health. He said, we have no desire to move to Florida and sit in a rocking chair and wait to die. Oh. <laughs> and I thought, oh, man, I wish every Christian had that vision. Well, I think, uh, first of all, that person hasn't been to Florida. <laughs> 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 and maybe a rocking chair isn't all that bad, but once you get in that rocking chair, you want someone to sit next to you. It's, not, it's not fun to rock alone. <laughs> but tell me a little bit about the relationship that most of us have at our age with our grandkids and how that affects a marriage. You know, it can be very, very positive, or it can, be, it can bring great pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, if your grandchildren are doing well and you enjoy you know, being with them, and most grandparents enjoy being with them, it's a great joy. It's one of the joys of the second half. But if they're having physical problems, or sometimes the older teenagers make decisions that are really, really poor, mm-hmm. such as you know, getting into drug use and that sort of thing, it, it can break your heart. Sure. So uh, that's why we say that the joys and challenges of the second half. With grandchildren, there's joys and there's challenges yes, sir. in the second half. And it puts financial drain on some households. There's many folks our age that are struggling financially because of what they have to do to support their grandkids and their families. Yeah, they're raising another family, many yes, of sir. them. And, and then we talk about the challenge of uh, finances because many times in the second half in today's world, people lose their jobs. That's right. Yeah, they never thought they'd lose their job. Well and here they are, you know, late 50s, early 60s, they lost their job, and they're not ready to retire financially, and it can put a real strain on a marriage. So, you know, how mm-hmm. do we deal with that? How do we, how do we, and sometimes we have to move in right. order to get a job. Right. And that's another whole, uh, whole challenge is picking up and moving away from the people that you've known all your life. That's right. There's been a lot of demographic studies on uh, the emptiness that becomes repopulated, there's more now than ever before. Yeah, that's true. And you know, it takes it takes longer to get them out of the nest, mm-hmm. and then they come back. You know? Yes, with <laughs> extra so, people. And the challenges, and you know, and often they come back because they failed in college, or they were married and now they're divorced, and sometimes they come back with children. You know, move back in with you. Yes. Now, again. All parents are pretty much willing to accept that, you know, and they want to help the child, the the adult child. Mm -hmm. But it it does put a strain on the marriage because we often differ in how to handle that. Right. And so we we talk about, you know, how do you navigate the water so that the two of you stay together, which is the most important thing, keep your marriage alive so that you can help your children? Well, and sometimes one one side of the marriage is more committed to helping the kids than the other side, like maybe stereotypically the husband says, let them grow up on their own, we made it, they can make it, and the wife wants to give more, wants to help more, wants to do whatever. Do you see that often? 
I do, and often also uh, parents tend to blame themselves mm-hmm. when their children make poor decisions. Right. How many times have they been in my office and said, uh, you know, their child is divorced or their child has gotten addicted to drugs, and then they say, Dr. Chapman, what, what did we do wrong? Mm-hmm. You know, where did we fail? Yeah. And I remind them, look, very likely you gave it the best shot you could, you know, those first 18 years. You did the best you could. And they're adults. And if they make poor decisions, that's not you, that's them. And I remind them that God's first two children made poor decisions, and they had a perfect father. So so don't blame yourself for what your adult kids do. And uh, and don't preach to them. No no value in preaching to them. You know, I just can't believe you did this. You have no (laughs) idea how you've hurt us. You know, don't you know that you're tearing our hearts apart? You know, those kind of... That, that doesn't do anything but heap guilt on them, right. and chances are they already feel guilty. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just give them unconditional love, but don't get them out of the mess. <laughs> Let them suffer the consequences of their decisions. Mm-hmm. Don't spend a whole bunch of money to get them out of jail or to do something else. Unless you know they're in a treatment center and willing to go to a treatment center, that can be a good investment of money for mm-hmm. sure. Well, investing a lot of money to get them out of my house is probably okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Helping them get started in that new apartment or that new house. Right. I've never had to do that, but when they come visit, the decibels in my home are at a level that I've never remembered (laughs) before. And it's the decibel therapy that I need. It's very true. (laughs) But I love it while it's there, and I sure am glad for the quiet. I want to talk about something totally different. Just to keep us moving, uh, I remember in my youth hearing grandparents talk a lot about the RVs. Is that era gone? Do people our age still want to get the RV and travel the country? You know, some do and some don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife has no desire for an RV. I don't want to <laughs> drive idea, the thing. Her idea of camping is to go to a, a nice hotel. You yes, know? <laughs> five star. But there are other people really enjoy the RV thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know statistically whether it's as popular as it was at one time, uh, but I do know that there are people that just love doing that, yeah. just riding across the country and stopping where they wish and doing what they want to do. And and that certainly can be fine for a season of marriage. I don't sure. think it can be a way of life for you know 15 years. At mm-hmm. least I wouldn't find that to be helpful. Well, you know there's 80 million boomers, and yep. they're probably age 60-plus according to to demographic trends, there's roughly 80 million of us who are in that era where we've got financial capability and a desire. Maybe we're on a, maybe we have ended our careers. Maybe we're at that stage where we can certainly afford to buy one. And then we're we're so used to being occupied and going and doing that it would seem logical that that would be a next step. Yeah, and I think for some people that is true uh, because you know let's face it that uh, we are all very very different. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I would say a couple needs to be together on that. Right. If you go out and buy an expensive RV and your spouse is not with you in that purchase, mm-hmm. you're going to have some miserable miles. Okay? Miserable miles. <laughs> That's a good word. That's called driving down I-4 in Florida. Those are miserable miles. I don't think I could drive one, you know. I, I barely can drive my little car around without getting in trouble. Yeah. You know, traffic's tough. What other things have, are, can we look forward to in your book? I know there are many people out there that, you know, there's so many of us. We're an entire era of people, like I said, over 80 million of us called boomers that are in this married and still loving at nest structure. What are they looking for? Where do you think the great hungers are? 
You know, I think uh, most of us in the second half, as in the first half, we'd like to make a difference in the world. Mm-hmm. We want our lives to count, you know, and we're realizing that we don't have as many years as we have already had. And so we're looking for opportunities to reach out and That's to invest good. our lives. And as Christians, of course, this is the theme of the Christian life, you know. Mm-hmm. We serve others in the name of Jesus. We invest our lives in the names in the lives of other people in his name, and we find great satisfaction in that. Uh, and we did find that people who are thriving in the second half tend to see marriage as a covenant, you know, that they made before God and before others, and they're resilient. I mean, they get, if they have problems, yeah, but they get up and they move on. And depending on their ability, both physically, financially, otherwise, uh, they are investing their lives mm-hmm. in, in helping people and sharing the good news of Christ. So to me, that's where life's deepest satisfaction comes is knowing that you're taking what God has given you and you're helping other people with that, and particularly pointing them to Christ and yes. discipling them in Christ. That's, that's good. great satisfaction. Good word. Just before we end this interview, sir, I'd like to ask you, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about young marriage today. What are you seeing as millennials or the children of the X, Gen X generation? What are you saying to young marriages these days as a, as a counselor? Well, you know, one of the positive things I'm seeing is that uh, these younger couples are more open to help in their marriage because many of them have seen their parents not have a long-term marriage, and they've seen their friends get married and two years later divorce, Mm -hmm. and they don't want that. I mean, young couples want to have a long lifetime marriage. I would say two things are essential. Number one, make sure you know how to speak your spouse's love language. Speak it on a regular basis. So you keep emotional love alive in the relationship. And then secondly, deal with your failures. Mm. None of us are perfect. We say things and do things from time to time that hurt our spouse. That involves apologizing and forgiving. And if you get these two things right, love, loving them in a way that's meaningful to them, and then apologize and forgive each other, keep the walls torn down, yes. you're on a positive road to getting to the second half and enjoying it. So is there anything that you see different in this generation about their marriages and their their goals and aspirations? Well, I think one thing, obviously, is technology, Mm -hmm. uh, because technology can be very, very good in helping us keep in contact with each other when we're apart, but it can also become obsessive, and we spend time playing video games, for example, the younger Mm -hmm. couples, because they played video games all during their teenage years. And now they spend all their free time in a marriage playing video games. And I would say, you know, you're an adult now. Let, let's put away childish things. Let, let's mm-hmm. spend our time in something more mm-hmm. meaningful than video games. Well, there's another aspect of that that I've observed, and I know you have. Uh, I'll see couples out on date night, and each of them on their own cell phones or on their iPads yeah. at a dinner yeah. table. And it yeah, just it breaks my heart. I'm bad. I know I've got to throw mine away and leave it in the car when I go in because I, I will yeah. reach for it. But yeah. I've seen so much of that with kids, and I'm wondering, what, let me just say young couples, 20s and 30s, they're so yeah. consumed by their technology. What are you seeing? Well, I think, yeah, I think what we have to learn is how to make technology work for us and not let technology control us. Mm. And that's what's happening with many couples. They're obsessed with it. It's, it's, it becomes an addiction, really. They, can, they can't survive. I mean, they feel like they're out of touch with the world. And I say, 
you need to be out of touch with the world for a while. You know, yes. <laughs> you can, certainly you can share a meal without answering the telephone or without you know responding to the the buzz if you've got it, mm-hmm. <laughs> you've got it on the uh, vibrate. Yeah, vibrate. <laughs> well, mine is buzzing in my pocket, and I've got this great desire and addiction to reach for it and look at it. But then I miss something, some good nugget from you. It's a discipline. I, I've never fought anything like this. I've never had a habit yeah. like smoking or something that just consumed me. But I, yeah. I'll tell you, I reach for that thing and don't even know I've done it. Oh, I know. It's, it's I know. crazy. You know, I wrote a book uh, about two years ago with Arlene Pelican called Growing Up Social. Wow. Raising relational kids in a screen-driven world, and we address it to the parents and to the the parent-child relationship. I need to read it, but yeah, you know, <laughs> I just think we've got to get we've got to get control of technology. Use it in a positive way, but don't let it control you, sir. Let us know where uh, where we can get your book. Where's the easiest way for our listeners to find your book? Married and still well, lovely. you can get it almost in any store, anywhere you go, any bookstore. Or you can go to Amazon, mm-hmm. or you can go to fivelovelanguages.com, and you can read about it if you want to do, read about it before you uh, buy it. Five, the number five, fivelovelanguages.com. That's a great site. I've been on it. So I want to, one more time, tell our listeners about your book, Married and Still Loving. It's written by Gary Chapman and Harold Myra on the joys and challenges of the second half. And, sir, you've just been an excellent, uh, first of all, you're a great writer, and we've learned so much from you over the years. And, Many of us have long-term marriages because we read love languages and uh, understand it better. So thank you for that. Well, thank you, Steve. I've been, right. It's been very gratifying to see how God has used that five love language book. And I'm hoping mm-hmm. God's going to use this book to help a lot of couples in the second half make the most of the years that we have left. Amen. There's a lot of us out here. There's a lot of folks that are still married and loving it and need more help. We all do. Yeah. What a great interview, uh, Dr. Chapman. It's been an honor to have you on the Charisma Podcast Network and on the Charisma Connection. Thank you, sir, and God bless you. Thank you, Steve. Keep up the good work. Yes, sir, and thank you to all of our listeners. You've been listening to the Charisma Podcast Network with Gary Chapman. Please take a look at his book. It'll help you in, in this stage of your life, Married and Still Loving It by Gary Chapman. God bless you all. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.